Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Welcome, my friends, to a very, and I mean very special episode of the Storybox podcast. You guys saw from the title, I have the legendary comedian and actor, Dane Cook, on the show. I thought, you know, it's been three years, three years of doing this show. I know that might that may not seem like a long time for you guys, but for me, it has been one heck of a roller coaster ride these last three years in bringing to you guys these incredible stories and unboxing them and learning so much along the way. And today's episode is really special because I've wanted to speak with Dane Cook for a very long time. You know, his story is rather. It's inspiring, and I think you guys are going to get that from this this conversation. I've listened to a lot of the episodes that Dane has been on recently, and I I wanted to ask him some very very different questions, and I think we we accomplished that uh, during this conversation. But before we dive into the story box, I want to say once again thank you for allowing me to do this for three years. If it weren't for you guys listening every single week, then the show really wouldn't be here or where it is today. Over 400-something episodes now, reaching close to 50 million people around the world in so many incredible countries and being downloaded millions of millions of times. It is, while the numbers are great to see, the thing that has impacted me the most is being able to listen to some very, very awe-inspiring and impactful conversations from people that are famous and those that are not so famous. Many of you guys know of Matthew McConaughey's episode, Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, Joel McHale, Mel Robbins, uh, and some of the people that are not so famous like Toba Friedman, Dr. Edith Egger, Derek Kinney, and just Pat Bradley, I'm just throwing names out here for all you guys, but 
every single person that I have had the pleasure of speaking with on this show has incredible worth and incredible value. And so do you guys, even though you're not on the show. Your story matters and it always will. And for as long as I live, I have made the commitment to myself, to you guys and to God that I will continue to do this show for as long as humanly possible, as long as God will allow me to do it. So my friends, thank you. Thank you once again. I hope you enjoy this conversation with a legendary Dane Cook who also has a great special out called Above It All, which you can go and get at at his website, danecook.com. I highly encourage you guys to do that. It is really, really funny, but it also packs a mighty punch when it comes to lessons and learnings that he has had over the last 50 years of his life. And you guys are going to you guys are going to hear a very vulnerable Dane Cook in this conversation. So, with that all being said, my friends, happy 3 years of this story box. You know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice and the stories of none other than Dane Cook. Thank you for uh, having me, and I should introduce my cohort. This is Ripley, who will be uh, hopefully <laughs> staying very sleepy during this chat. Welcome to Dane and Ripley. I'm sure my dog Alita will barge in at some point and ruckus. He always does that, but um, <laughs> she gets lonely. But uh, I didn't also mention in the intro that you've got a new comedy special out at the moment called Above It All, which I. I love the title and I'm very excited to dive into your story, unbox it and all the wisdom and the advice that comes along with that. My very first question for you, my friend, is what does success look like for you? Oh, what a, that's a great place to start because for me, um, success is about completion. Success is about um, um, when a thought comes to you, and you get that quick uh, jolt of enthusiasm because you feel like you've got a bright idea. Um, it's usually with me, it's something comedic, right? You'll think of something, oh, that, that, that's funny, right? Or you'll say something and say, I think there's something there. And in that moment, only you know the possibility of that meeting expectations in front of a, a live audience. And so a lot of the short-term goals you have as a creative person is, trying to get that idea out of your mind onto the page and then potentially either filmed or on a stage or, um, you know, in a, in a studio where you're recording music. Um, I feel very fulfilled and successful when one of those ideas comes to fruition and then works and and you find that, uh, that uh, moment, that synergy with a crowd where they enjoy your idea. It's, it's kind of a, it's kind of an amazing uh, thing to look back on when you've completed a piece of material to go, that just came out of my mind one day and, and it worked and it worked. So success to me is not as long form. It's more about these tiny little, um, little tiny calibrations that mean something to you in your personal growth. I love that answer. I've got two questions coming from that. So you mentioned success for you is completion as a whole. My first question is, what happens when you don't reach that level of completion that you had originally attended to? 
Right. And my second one, which is sort of following along, sorry about this, <laughs> but um, <laughs> when was the moment that you realized that that was success for you? Well, your first question is, um, it's interesting, you know, I'm 50 years old now and I'm 31 years into this career. And if you'd asked me that question 15 years ago, I might have said, yeah, when it doesn't come, when it doesn't meet the expectations, it makes me feel low, right? It makes me feel disenfranchised. Uh, and it would probably penetrate into other good days ahead because I'm uh, upset about something not being, quote, successful. And now 15 years later, with a lot of um, uh, philosophy, just learned from success and failure, what I've been able to identify is when something isn't um, completed and succeeding in the moment that you want it to, it does not mean that it isn't leading to something else successful. If you abandon an idea that you deem not successful without realizing maybe that is actually a pivotal moment to then reach something that looks very different, but is directly related to that failure or non-success, you're, you're, you're almost giving up on the idea that, um, you're almost giving up on the idea of that success being less, what am I trying to say? You're, you're, you're losing sight that sometimes that failure is ultimately what will lead to a moment that's more gratifying. So now I can look back on things or look at things and say, you know what? Like, here's a great example, Jay. Early in my career, when I put out my very first comedy album, it was a it was a mild success. It 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 uh, it found fans, but it wasn't until three or four years later when more people knew me that then they discovered the first album. So what looked like something that didn't meet expectations years later blossomed beyond. And I try to put that philosophy in everything that I do now that uh, that sometimes something falling to pieces is actually the pieces that you need to then put together for a better version. You're, in, you're totally right about that. And I'm sort of discovering that in my own life currently, because I recently released my first book and no one really knows. Thank you for that. No one really knows who I am per se, like the, the wider audience, like I'm an Aussie releasing his first book in the United States. Yeah, it's crazy ordeal. So I had these high expectations thinking that it would be a great success because, you know, Americans love Aussies and Aussies love Americans and, you know, that, right. that whole, whole adage. But I think when you eventually find the right people, you find your right audience and you let go of those expectations, the high expectations, and you just, I guess, keep your head on the ground per se. I think that's far more rewarding and far more fulfilling than trying to reach this far-fetched idea that you probably won't end up reaching right, right now. Is that does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it does because your your book or piece of material that maybe doesn't doesn't finally hit a bestseller list or for me isn't on the album or isn't on the special, it doesn't mean that it doesn't um, make a difference in people's lives. You know, uh, sometimes it's only a ripple effect, right? Sometimes it's not going to lead to a wave that crashes or a tidal wave of success, but the ripples are just as significant in the bigger picture. And so what you do is you, you, you learn from that incredible feedback 
from whoever finds your book or whoever discovers you, and you allow yourself to say, well, if this book is quite literally the first chapter of my entire career, maybe by chapter three, when I write my third book, this one will permeate differently. So you keep going, you keep pushing yourself to to do two things, to better yourself as a person, right? In, 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 and build out your possibilities, but you also allow yourself small successes to know even trying, even completing is a success. And if you can value yourself there, uh, it'll be it'll be easier to get through some of the turbulent and frustrating times knowing, hey, I'm a doer. I'm a person that believes in getting something done and I complete it. And that says a lot about you as a person that you put out that book and I can only hope that that book will just continue to permeate and find its way for you. And you'll be following, right now you're pushing it. Someday you might be following where it goes. And it's a nice feeling when you get to that place. I like how you were talking about failure a moment ago and where that actually is leading you to a better path, but you may not realize it in the moment. I think that's yeah. so profound uh, a realization for a lot of people to have because not many people do, especially when they're in that, period of being uh, thinking that it's the worst possible situation to be in. It's that horrible feeling. But I wanted to ask you when you released your your first comedy set, what were you feeling? What was going through your mind at that time? I'm going to take you back a many vast amount of years, man. When I first uh, completed my first comedy album called Harmful of Swallowed, it, the first version of it that I edited and completed was in 1998. And I sold it like... Um, uh, out of my trunk, I sold it like uh, I was a one-man fulfillment center. I was packaging and sending it out. And it was a little underwhelming because it was a slow start. You know, it wasn't uh, putting a lot of money in my pocket. It was helping me to pay a little bit of the rent or maybe get a nice meal. Um, but what I quickly, and I'm trying to remember what what uh, what gave me the incentive to do this. I think I realized pretty quickly even if I need to give this album away, I should. I should get it to as many people as I can, even if they're not willing or ready or able to purchase it. So I found websites that at the time were kind of dis distribution websites. Kazaa was one of them. Napster was the more well-known. LimeWire. These were places you used to be able to upload audio files <laughs> and I would for free give my album away. And I found that even though out of the gate, I was a little bummed out that it wasn't meeting my own personal expectations as the year. And then two years went on, I finally got a record deal because they heard I'd sold about 8,000 copies, but I'd given away so many that I think they thought even more people had bought it because it was everywhere. It was, it was everywhere, but it was everywhere because I chose to, to um, share it instead of just sitting, holding it saying, I worked hard on this. I deserve compensation. And you don't always get you. Sometimes you create not for the compensation you hope to, so you can put it toward the next creation. But I think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you make something and don't try to do everything in your power to just introduce yourself to people by sharing it. Yeah, I've I've listened to you talk about actually just putting it out there. I, I, I think I was three 
when you were doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a long, long time ago. I know, man. I'm the, I'm the old bull on the hill at this point. But when I was, you know, in your position, I, I all I wanted to do was ingratiate myself with an audience. Find find an audience that would provide me the chance to do what I love, which is, you know, hold a microphone and and tell stories. And I thought. What if I only get this one window of opportunity and what if I can't do it? What if I can't uh, pay the bills? What if I can't take care of my family and I need to do something different? Well, while I'm here, while I had that that product, I was like, I just want to get it to, I just want to enjoy at least if nothing else that people loved what I made. And if it pays me back, well, wow, maybe I can stick around and do this for three decades. <laughs> And look at you now, man. Did you ever doubt in those moments that you weren't going to, I guess, quote, make it or earn a living from it? Uh, what a great question, man. What a great question. I don't know if it's been posed that way to me, but I think that I think that um, when I look back at at when I first started stand-up, just, just doing it and sharing ideas to me was like winning. It was like all, all that I wanted when I realized that I could then make a career from it and pursue the arts, you know, pursue business and branding and all the things that kind of come with um, people getting into you, becoming like fans of yours and followers. Um, I think I was okay with the idea at first that if it didn't come to fruition, that I would always enjoy the, being in the arts, whether that was graphic design. I like making logos and my fonts or the album covers. Um, I love production behind the scenes, behind the camera. I think I always would have used it as a comedy, as the the anchor to maybe something else in the career. But I've been, you know, really excited to make it my prime source of creativity and income. As a as the man you are today, if you were to go back and to your younger self and say one thing, just one piece of advice you, you would give yourself, what would you say? I would tell myself to enjoy, be more present because there was a time in my life where I think, and I'm sure you probably in some regard have done this, even you finished this, this book and you, and you are hungry and you're ready for so much more from it that it can seem like you're in slow motion, even though a year earlier, you were moving at that same, you're being diligent. You know, you're taking care of what you needed to take care of to just get the words on the page. So I'll probably tell myself, take more moments to look around and appreciate that you got the lottery ticket win of a life at all, that I get to be here. And, um, and I would probably just tell myself to relax and enjoy moments a little bit more early on. That actually resonates with me so much. Like we have no idea because I don't think I enjoyed the whole book launch process as much as I had wanted to. I was so bent up with, I guess, trying to make it a huge success that I just, yeah, made things worse for myself. (laughs) I think as a person, yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate that you, you're candid about that. That's not always an easy thing to, um, to to own and to put forth, but it makes you a better person. It makes you a better, it makes you a better creative 
you probably don't even know it, but by be, by being uh, introspective in that way and sharing that you are, you know, maybe underwhelmed or disappointed, um, that's only that's only providing more personal real estate to put more truth, and that truth will hopefully come out at the end of the fingers, and you'll be t- writing something else, and you'll you'll continue to move people, and you'll be able to obviously through your own movement, through your own enthusiasm, because if you continue to put that introspective nature into anything that you do, that I think is the secret sauce or the secret recipe to anything creative. If there's truth in it, it's very alluring and it'll find people. But if there's no truth in it, if if there's a lot of phony or put on or facade, then those things tend to kind of dissipate because I think people can see right through that if you're not the real deal. And so by saying what you just said, you're proving that you're the real deal. You know, you take it on the chin and you go, I didn't like that part of the experience. And by the way, I used to not like it either because to me, it didn't feel as creative as the simple act of writing. No. You know, it almost, it almost um, felt, um, it almost felt like a, Felt inauthentic in many ways. It's in, inauthentic, yeah. But then you, you pr- I, I promise you, you start to realize later that the that the people that are on that side, that are on the promotional side, well, you start to learn they have a love for that. And because they have a love for what they do, you have to almost look past the mundane elements and go, but I'm still working with people that are passionate in their field. And that'll give you more enthusiasm than you know because then you'll be sitting with somebody going, I want to be good for them because if I make them look good, they'll feel as good as I feel about my book. So just continue to remember that like anywhere you put yourself is a gift for each other that you're sharing some, you know, some dream that you've made come to fruition. How do you find your creative voice? I just have to try and fail. You know, that's like getting up on stage and, or sometimes I'll sit and I'll write pages for a, I started writing a script recently for a, a, a TV series that I want to uh, produce. And I've got this great idea and I'm so excited. Anytime I think about it, I get excited. And then the minute I start writing it, I just get like, ah, like <laughs> underwhelmed. And I'm like, why? Right. I'm sure you do that. Sometimes you're writing, you're like, this, this isn't what I'm, what is exciting me in my mind is not coming. It's not appearing in the same way. And, that's just try and fail until that one right paragraph gives you a, a eureka moment. And then you get rid of everything else and you go, that that's it. That's the core of what I am and who I am and what these characters are. And you, you, you go from there, but it's a hard place. Sometimes it doesn't come easy. No, no, not at all. It's like getting yeah. your, what's up in your brain and to have it make sense on the page. Yes. Different things. <laughs> I'll give you one little, let me share one little bit of advice that if for anybody listening who might say, man, I want like Jade, I want to write something or like Dane, I want to write some comedy or perform. I, I hope this helps because this, this is something that helped me years ago when I felt like I couldn't get something written that was meaningful or lent itself to the, the, the overall idea, the big, bright, you know, bold idea. I start with writing something very truthful about how I feel in that very moment. Huh. The, the first thing that I will write down is um, I don't feel very good about myself today. Huh. And I let myself realize that's, that's an exact truth of right now. 
or I'll write, I feel like I could lead the world. I feel like I could take over. And then it makes you go, well, why do I feel that way? And then the next sentence and the next sentence, and you're almost journaling yourself towards your innovative idea. And, and, and I'll do it in standup. My version of that is um, I'll get on stage. And if I'm feeling like we're talking about maybe just out of sorts, I let the first thing that I say to an audience not be a silly line, but something, an absolute truth, which is nice to see everybody today. I've never felt better or more in love and more excited to be here. And they might laugh and go, well, that seemed very flowery and over the top, but it's true. Mm. And now, you know, and I know I'm, I'm providing a, a glimpse into how I, who I really am and how I feel. And if you put that on the page or you share that with people, whether you're in a meeting or on a stage, there's something very alluring and interesting about a person coming with their absolute truth to you. Did you used to do that? from the very beginning? Was that something that has evolved over time? No, I used to be really a scared person to be truthful. I, I used to be, um, I was pretty hard on myself. I, I didn't think people would like me if I told them that I didn't really feel very good about myself. I used to have a lot of low self-esteem. I used to have a lot of, um, you know, I was more kind of an introvert. And then I had to put myself out there to be this show, you know, show person. And so there was a lot of years where I kind of was a little false, where I'd let you know, like, fake it till you make it. Mm. But I finally discovered that when you give people your power, when you share that truth, the, the truth is some people are going to hurt you. Yeah. Some people are going to take that and they're going to utilize it to unfortunately cause you some kind of harm or take advantage of you. And believe it or not, that's okay. That's okay. You know why that's okay? Because it says more about you or me to share something truthful and it helps you to identify quicker. That is a person that I do not want in my experience. And so when I, when I realized it's okay to tell people, I don't feel so great about myself all the time. I get depressed. I get, I feel sad. Um, I feel lost. Then the response to that is either uh, an outpouring of love or people that are just not there to, to help you or provide any kind of love, caring, or compassion. And that's okay. The love, caring, and compassion, you already gave it to yourself by being honest. You don't need it from anybody else. Yeah. I think we always go and try and seek validation from other people, but the the most important person we need to validate with truth is ourself. And I think a lot of people miss yeah. that. So yeah. Thank to be you able to me. say to you, Hey Jay, you know what? Right where you're at. I'm, I'm proud of where you're at. I'm proud that you're a doer. I'm proud that, you know, you put this, you invited me to into your realm, uh, curious person. I love curious people. Uh, you know, a person that wants to make an impact, uh, you know, in the community, maybe in the greater community. And so it's nice to be able to meet somebody and say, we don't want or need anything from each other other than some. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Great humanity and being able to look and say, hey, man, like, good on you. Um, keep it up. And I hope that this provides a platform for both of us to change lives in a way that makes people feel a little bit better through our entertainment, through our conversation. I have no doubt that it will, my friend. And Good. I've Good. heard you I've heard you talk on several other podcasts and, and you're very you've been through a lot, right? And your whole perspective on life is something that I admire, something that I hope to have when I'm going through difficult challenges and, and moments of of grief. And for those people that that don't know what you've been through, are you able to to share some of the things? that you have been through in the last couple of years? Well, I think the last couple of years has been pretty incredible in terms of just um, coming out of obviously the COVID era, era, which was terrible, like a big rut for a lot of us. I feel like everybody felt really stuck. And of course, there was also a lot of um, illness and beyond that was really devastating. Yeah. Um, but just in terms of like wanting to get back into some kind of motion in life, I, I've never felt happier and more enthused to entertain people in a time we all need it. So I felt purpose. Yeah. Um, if I look back on my life and say like, where have there been moments? I can look at about 15 years ago was, I think the most treacherous because in the last 10 years, because of great therapy and great introspection, I feel like I can handle anything, mm -hmm. any good day, any bad day. I feel equipped. I feel empathy for when someone else needs me during that time. And so I'm not perfect. I'm definitely flawed, but I'm pretty good at keeping the mechanics and keeping myself pretty balanced. But 15 years ago, um, to answer your question directly, it was like, you know, my parents both got cancer in the same year. My parents both died in the same year. Um, they were my best friends, my mom, especially I was at the height of my career and who have lost that. I mean, they, they, they made me, they gave me this, they gave me everything I needed in my DNA to, to be on this wild adventure of life. Right. And so that, that moment in my life was the first thing I thought of when you asked that question and really what I learned and what I got from that after a, a lot of, a lot of love and mentorship and soul searching and then just self preservation. And what I learned from that is um, you, regardless of where you're at in your life in the starting gate, halfway through the race or at the finish line, you matter to people. You matter to people and you can at any point in any part of your day make a difference in people's lives and people can make a difference in your lives. But you have to ask for help and you have to be of service. 
And if you implement that into your life, you can get through grief. You can, you can fucking party with the best of them in Vegas or you can, you can have it all. If you are willing to relinquish your power in life and go when the worst of the worst moments come a tsunami moment that I'm going to handle it with grace and I'm going to immediately not say why me, but what can I do to be of service to someone else? And I learned that from that moment. And that's why in the last couple of years, even though I too was low and in a rut, I was like, where's my purpose and what can I do to make somebody else in this time? We're all feeling it feel a little bit better and want to get back into some kind of a new normalcy. I think when we are going through those difficult times, it's easy for us because it's it's human nature, right? We always say, why is this happening to me? And I know some people go through far more difficult challenges than other people. And I know we should never compare those things, but that's the reality of the situation. But I love how you said, what? Because what are we, what is the, what are we trying to learn from this situation? And that is the beauty of life, right? When we go through these difficult times, it's like a refining process. It's a, it's the ability for us to to learn new things, to become more curious, to understand the way the world works. So that's at least what I've experienced because I can understand that losing people you love, going through vast amount of health difficulties and, and you name it, and it's all brought me to this introspection of, hey, life is going to be okay as well. Like it's it's all good. Just strap yourself yeah. in. Even though it's a roller coaster ride, as I said, it's going to be one hell of a bumpy ride. So enjoy it. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's going to be a challenge, but it's also like anything, like if you watch a great athlete, whatever a great athlete does on the field of play is through due diligence and learning the mechanics to be great in that moment. And I think, I think everybody could do with a little bit more self-love, self-therapy and waking up in the morning and realizing like, like a great athlete, the mechanics of a day and a, and, and a feeling good and a feeling like I can accomplish and achieve Starts the moment you wake up and reminding yourself, however you do it with faith, prayer, meditation. I do positive affirmations. You have to learn the mechanics of success, of feeling, of thinking successfully. You have to prepare yourself for moments of success. You can't just say, you know, I'm good at this one thing. And then like poo poo the whole day of like, why aren't I getting, why, why? It's like, no, you need to prepare and have the mechanics of a person who knows how to present themselves in a successful manner. And that's a lot of work. That's like going to the gym and building muscle that, that like anything in the world, it's like getting a college education. It, you need to learn your, your um, personal constitution and you need to know how to feed it. You need to know the nutrition that you need. And then you need to know what you need to provide to the family or the community around you. If you're not doing those things and you're just a doer, then you're going to be kind of like, fuck, I have all this great enthusiasm and, and ability, but why aren't I fitting in anywhere? And it's like, because, well, people don't really know you because you don't really know yourself. You, you're you only thinking of yourself as a person who made this thing and forgetting that you need to be able to present yourself 
in the world around you is a fully formed person and not just a person who made a cool thing. What would you say, Dane, has been your most vulnerable moment in your life? Um, the most vulnerable moment. Well, love is always a very vulnerable moment. Tell me. You know? <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of great bad relationships over the years that becomes fodder for, you know, <laughs> comedy, you know, relationship, <laughs> you know, material. But truthfully, like, man, like being, being, uh, allowing yourself that moment to fall deeply in love and enjoy that experience and not being so afraid of it. Right. Cause it's scary. You know, talk about a moment where you let somebody in all the way in to say, like, now, you know, the innermost parts of who I am and and, and I you. And so I think that uh, being able to um, journey towards that as I've been able to, I've got an incredible fiance now, five years together. It's like, wow, I never knew. Um, I never knew how overwhelmingly lovely that could feel. And it just makes everything else in my life better. Yeah. You know, because I have that. So that would probably be it. Love. Yeah. yeah I, I uh, can understand and relate to you. I don't think I would use them as, as uh, comedy references because I'm not a comedian. <laughs> comedy <laughs> stories. But uh, I wanted to ask you about that actually. Perfect segue into it. Sure. Um, number one, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? I love that um, I'm the son of Donna and George and that I get to make an impact on people's lives through humor. I mean, if I can do it in other ways of entertaining, great, but at the, at the, my soul of who I am is a person that wants to help you escape hardship through humor. And when I do that for you, boom, I win because that makes me feel like I've gotten through maybe my own personal hardship by providing humor and then sometimes receiving it from people that I find to be very entertaining or funny. So that's how I, that's how I, you know, kind of see myself and, 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 um, you know, son of George and Donna doing the best I can with the gifts that they, you know, provided me with this life. What do you love the most about your now fiance? There's a, there's a list. It's a whole litany of things, but I think that if I had to, it's tough to not say humor because she is also very funny and we find ways to, um, find humor in, in, you know, very tough circumstances, but her, her kindness and also loyalty is a word that I think sometimes it gets used so much that it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a corporate sounding word, I think now, but the the true meaning and true understanding of, of loyalty and how that uh, the roots of that and how it just, it, it, it feels like uh, being protected, you know, being able to provide that and be able to receive it like kindness, loyalty. I mean, those are the things I think of when I think of Kelsey. Who's funny. Yeah. You think. Oh boy, man. She's funny. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this live on stage. I, you know, she can't follow me and, uh, at home she could be pretty, she's got some savage takedowns, man. She could, she could probably hang with some, some, uh, roast comedians from time to time. What's her opinion 
regarding your new uh, your new special? She loves the show, but she loves seeing um, how I struggled at some points to make it become a reality. She understood that I was investing in myself. I paid for the whole thing myself. Right. I, I wanted to do that for a lot of reasons. I wanted to be able to um, own my intellectual property. I wanted to be able to not just give it away to somebody halfway through and 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 see if they were going to be careless with it or care. It, nobody has the same passion that you know you have. Uh, it's tough to find those people that have that. So I think Kelsey seeing me create something that I I dreamed a big dream and this was a big swing. Um, and it's, I think, uh, I know that she's very proud of me that I saw this through, even though it was extremely difficult. I think we're seeing a lot more comedians do just that, have their own intellectual property. They own it. I think Andrew Schultz did it recently. I've heard That's you right. talk about that, the new wave of comedians. And it's doing pretty well, I believe. Is that, am I wrong in saying that? No, it's doing very well. It's, it's garnered even more, um, people come, wanting to do business, people coming in and, and wanting to um, have a window of opportunity with me. And so I look at it as not only is it replanting the comedy flag after not having some new content out in about five years, uh, reintroducing me to maybe um, older fans that maybe, you know, dipped out or, you know, weren't checking in, but new fans, right? People around the world that are like maybe just starting to get into stand-up comedy or into my stand-up comedy. So it's been successful out of the gate, but I think it's only the beginning for this one. I, I, I'm i already, like I said with your book, I, I'm beyond pushing it. For four years, I was pushing it. And then once it was released, now I'm following it. And it's been very gratifying. I wanted to ask you a few more questions, if that's okay with you, Dane. Yeah, of course. Um, Love it. Above it all, the title of that, I'm curious about how did you come up with a title and what does it mean to you? Yeah, it's it's a double kind of meaning because where I filmed it, uh, for people that don't know, I filmed it on my front porch at my home, which is up in the Hollywood Hills overlooking Los Angeles. I've lived here for about 12 years. Uh, I love the front porch. I've got a great lawn area. And I always thought, oh, it's like a little amphitheater that I've created in my residence. And I used to dream about uh, like when I was a kid, when I would stand on the front porch or the front stoop, as we'd call it, and you'd kind of perform for your neighbors. Um, that's what I would do as a kid. I, I thought, oh, it harkens back to what I was like as a kid. But it also, even though I'm, uh, you know, physically above it all, the deeper meaning is, and it's in the content when people watch the show, because I talk about a lot of kind of scary things that have happened in my life and failure and, um, you know, moments where I felt lost. I find a lot of humor in those things, yeah. but above it all is being able to stay above the negativity, above the noise, above the innuendo, above the the haters and letting people know I'm, I'm fine and dandy right where I'm at. And if you're getting entertainment from this show, you're quite literally helping me to stay above it all in a place I want to be, which is an entertainer, a person that makes you feel good, makes you laugh. You are a very curious-minded person, which I am myself. I've always been that as, way. as if you couldn't tell by looking. <laughs> I, that was the first thing I saw when the camera turned on. I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're a nerd and I'm a nerd at heart too. 
<laughs> it's, it's amazing, man. Um, if I could show you all the stuff off to the side as well, I think you'd be, you'd be amazed by it. Um, yeah, my, I was going to say right now you look like you're in an Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I pick? <laughs> I'll give it to me all, man. Like I want it all. Um, I wanted to ask you about the thing that you're most curious about at the moment. Is there anything? Yeah, probably um, away from comedy, away from, you know, being engaged and looking at that kind of next facet of my life and, you know, having family is probably um, helping others uh, in their own storytelling. It's been fun being a mentor, sharing data, sharing information. So I look forward to the next, you know, uh, part of my life, you know, uh, quadrant of my life being um, uh, somebody who can help others create the ability to maybe see some of their ideas come to fruition. So that that's, uh, you know, that's by writing, by directing, producing. Um, my company's producing some things over the next year or two. And to be able to do that and to know that I'm going to be on a set with a young person that's uh, it's their first time and I can guide them through that is going to be really um, quite a, an exciting experience. I love that, man. I'm a, I try to be a better storyteller. I know you're a great storyteller and eventually one day I know I'll hone that craft even more and I'll just get better and better as time goes on and as experience happens. Yes. I wanted to ask you, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this as well because we're, we're both nerds, right? <laughs> Growing up, okay, what are some of your favorite childhood memories regarding some of the classics? Like what were some of the films that you you love growing up with? They, they don't make them like they used to, right? Right. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely like I grew up in such a great era of filmmaking and uh, storytelling. I think that having had such a fantastical imagination, finding sci-fi, you know, loving star Wars. Yeah. Um, I, I loved that it, it was, it was uh real, real stories of good and evil in this fantastical realm. And I kind of thought, Oh, wow. If I could, if I could live in that type of environment as a storyteller, then um, I would enjoy this life ahead. So I definitely think that uh, a lot of sci-fi I loved Westerns growing up. I actually, not a lot of people know that I, I like, you know, loved uh, reading about like Wyatt Earp or Billy the Kid. And I, I couldn't get enough of, of um, those kind of, you know, how the West was one kinds, kinds of stories. Um, yeah, I found those to be like really uh, invigorating, but also things like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And um, I just like things that were colorful and big and in the never been done before kind of space. Yeah. I grew up with, you, you might be surprised by this. I'm like 26, but I grew up with majority of the classics. So Star Wars, Get Smart, um, whoa, The Great Race. You ever seen The Great Race? Yeah, of course. Oh, amazing. Love that one. So good. Um, is it Professor Fate? Yeah, I think that's one. Yeah, Professor Fate, okay. <laughs> the great Wesley. Um, all these and the Westerns too, like John Wayne, uh, The Lone Ranger, all these incredible classics that just yeah. informed the ability for my brain to just run wild with curiosity, so many questions, and this whole idea of, all right, what makes a good story? 
And I guess my my third last question for you, Dane, because I'm really enjoying this. How does storytelling inform your comedy? Like, how does it make you a better comedian? Fully, 100%, wouldn't be where I am today without understanding the, the, um, the, the, not the mechanics, but like the formulating of proper storytelling. Uh, even in my routine now at Above It All, some of the long form stories are three acts. It's a really an act one, the buildup, you know, the, the, the scary middle, you know, the, the breakdown, and then hopefully something, you know, triumphant that wraps the whole story up and calls back to the first act, even in, in comedy. Um, so really feel like um, watching, watching those films growing up, obviously working alongside great writers and filmmakers, like, doing a film with Kevin Costner and having made dances with wolves and some of my favorite comedies and just looking at his, the untouchables, his career, getting to know him, learning from somebody like, uh, you know, him who's a master craftsman um, who really helped and mentored me during that experience. It was a film called Mr. Brooks that I did with him. And uh, it informed, it fully informed like, okay, the best uh, thing that I can do is become a better uh, writer to be a better storyteller, to take people on a, an emotional journey through language or text. That was a great, uh, great role you did in, in, um, Mr. Brooks. It was, yeah. It was pretty sinister, man. It was pretty funky. Yeah. That was a good one. You did really, really <laughs> well in that one. I remember Thanks, I, I watched that one third after watching, I watched all the funny films first. Yeah, and then I watched Mr. Brooks, and I'm like, "Hey, that's not funny. <laughs> What's going on?" <laughs> you're like, Dane, you're like Dane's bombing in this movie. This is. <laughs> I'm like, you should have made a comedic man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, before I ask you the final question, I want to allow people to go and uh, find the the special above it all. Where do you want people to go and uh, get it? Oh, thank you for asking, man. And I just, I do want to say too, it's like having uh, over the years, um, you know, traveled and been through Australia and, and having so many fans over the years write me and just um, continue to, you know, be uh, on the journey with me and, and, and wanting more content from me. Uh, I desperately want to come back through Australia. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've um, reached out to even my four people and said like, is there anything we could do to, you know, to get me back through that, that region? Because I do feel like I have a lot of great fans. Um, that being said, the easiest way to, to get it is, um, and support and support, you know, this is my, you're supporting me entirely when you watch the show, because, you know, it's paid for owned and operated by the guy with the mic in his hand. It's at danecook.com. That's just directly through my website. And it's pretty easy. You can just go in there and, you can purchase it. I might distribute it beyond there. There might be other ways that Australia and beyond can see it in the months to come, but I'll make sure that I update danecook.com with that info uh, as well. I'll make sure it's linked below. Uh, do you have any regrets, man? Any at all? Regrets? Um, I can look back and say, I really wish I had the opportunity to share even more with my family um, you know, it's, it's that moment of like, man, I, I lost them so soon that I wish I could have, um, spent more lunches and dinners and, but I was out there chasing a dream and I knew that made, that made them happy. Right. It made my folks happy. 
So it's kind of bittersweet because part of me goes, oh, I wish I could spend more time uh, and I wish I did. But I also know they wouldn't have been so satisfied with me sitting around eating grilled cheese or whatever with them when they'd be like, don't you have, you know, a goal to be accomplishing for yourself? So a bit bittersweet, but I wish I, I could have a little more time with them. Yeah, I think we all all do. For me, it's my grandfather. But um, anyway, one day I'll see him again. Dane, my final for question sure. for you. This is my yeah. all-time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. Okay, I hope I, 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 I hope I answer it well for you because now you hyped it up. It's your all-time favorite question. Well, Here I'm, we go. Sure, I'm sure you will, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear your response to this. But imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 150 now, so 50 years' time. I have okay. no doubt you'll make it. Imagine that your your family and your friends have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? I would probably want that film to start off with me stepping on the very first stage that I ever had the the guts to step up on um, in 1990 outside of Boston, Massachusetts in a place called Catcherizing Star, which was a comedy club in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I would want to be able to re-experience that moment and show people this is a very pivotal day because before my foot stepped on that stage, I felt pretty insignificant and I felt in some ways like I didn't belong. I didn't feel a uh, purpose. And then when I stepped off that stage, it was a completely different energy coming off of me and that I was receiving even from the, the comedy club and the world around me. And I would want it to be a lesson of just try, get yourself to that place where you go, I'm at least gonna see this through once. And the energy and the ripple effect from that, I think you'll be pleased for the rest of your life that you uh, allowed yourself that. And nobody else will know as much as you how important that moment was. You'll take that with you for the rest of your life. So that's probably what my film would be about. Day one. Perfect send-off message for people to, to think about. Dane Cook, thank you so much for your time today, man, your stories, your wisdom, and your advice, and for joining me on the Storybox podcast. Jay, I want to thank you and your audience. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for inviting me into your realm. And uh, I truly hope that we get to revisit. Maybe we'll come together in a year's time. Uh, Maybe we'll do this from time to time and we can uh, check in with each other and see how the next book or the next comedy special are doing. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 